Romans 6, verses 1 to 23. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptised into Christ Jesus were baptised into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him, so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him, for we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died He died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness for sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law but under grace what then shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace by no means Don't you know that when you offer yourself to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey, whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God that, though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You have been set free from sin and become slaves to righteousness. I am using an example from everyday life of your human limitations. Just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness, leading to holiness. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things you are now ashamed of Those things result in death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is the word of God. This morning, we're going to begin with a three-word challenge. Uh, Feel free to do this with the people around you if you need to move to do that or move away to not do that. That's fine. Uh, 
how would you describe your weekend in three words? How would you describe your weekend in three words? Feel free just to share with the person next to you. Describe your weekend in three words. I think my, my weekend in three words was children's birthday party. So I'm just going to have a little nap here now. Uh, okay, uh, next one. Uh, but your perfect holiday in three words. The perfect holiday. There's a lot of sun, sea, and sand going on. <laughs> but you're all wrong because the ideal perfect holiday, of course, is lakes and mountains. And I'm well aware that this is the one that will get a bit of a groan because of too many dodgy interview questions that you've had or too many kind of awkward team building days. You know what's coming. How would you describe yourself in three words? Oh, that's a bit harder, isn't it? It's a bit harder. If it's not your cup of tea, feel free. Feel free to use these as your three words. Excellent all round. That can be your three words if you want. That's what I came up with. Extrovert, resilient, active. I don't know whether you agree with them or not. What a pretty face. Now, because this isn't a job interview, because it isn't an awkward team-building day, uh, I'm not going to go around and ask you to share what you've said. Uh, you can do that if you want over coffee uh, later on. But how we describe ourselves says something about who we think we are uh, and how we feel and how we act. And, and who we think we are shapes our lives. It shapes how we act it. It shapes why we do what we do. And that is something of what Romans chapter 6 uh, is all about. It's about who we are as followers of Jesus. We've got these words that were inspired by the Holy Spirit, uh, written by Paul, passed down to us, that Yvonne has just read for us. And they give us two lots of three-word descriptions for you if you're a follower of Jesus this morning. You are united with Christ. You are a slave of God. There we go. United with Christ, slave of God. And at first sight, these might not be words that really grab you. They might not be words that get hold of you. They don't fire you up. They're probably not words that you would use, are they, on a, in a job interview or in a team-building exercise? But these are words we need to hear. These are words we need to own and hold on to for ourselves. And so my prayer this morning is that these two sets of, of three words, united with Christ, slaves of God, would fire us up. That they wouldn't necessarily be what we answer in a job interview or on in a team building day, but we might say to ourselves each morning, maybe in front of the mirror, I'm united with Christ, I'm a slave of God. They might be what you say to yourself when you face temptation. They might be what you say to yourself when you feel gutted by the sin that you find going on in your life. Already in the book of Romans, uh, we've seen Paul spell out the reality of sin that every human person is caught up in. Rebellion against God. We can do that very respectably, we can do that very outrageously, but it gets everyone. And then we've heard how, despite this, God is able to declare all kinds of people, no matter what's gone on, as being right in his sight, declaring them uh, to be justified. Because in Jesus, God has reached out to us and he has released us from our sin and brought us into eternal life. 
That is grace. That is God's grace. God's loving, free gift that none of us deserve. And yet God gives in outrageous abundance. Let's listen how we left things at the end of last week in Romans 5, verse 20. Paul writes, Where sin increased, what happened? Grace increased all the more. In other words, no matter what has gone on, no matter what has happened, you can never outrun God's grace. You can't do it. It always goes further. But then if you're like me, some cogs start turning in your head. Maybe not that fast if you're anything like me. So you can't, if you can't outrun God's grace, does that mean I can basically do what I like? Because there's always more grace. And, and take it a bit further, and, and surely the more I stuff things up, the more God's grace is seen and put on display and shown as wonderful, and that's a good thing, right? And that is the question at the beginning of Romans chapter 6, verse 1. Now, I suspect none of us would actually say that out loud. Um, what we do, I suspect, is, is what I do when faced with temptation or the reality of sin in my life is to think, it doesn't matter all that much. Don't worry. It's God's job to forgive. What's Paul's answer in verse 2? Well, the English translations of the Bible put it very politely. By no means, by no means. Paul says, no, 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 not a chance. Not on your nelly. No, no, no. God's grace does not lead to sin. In fact, it leads to living God's good life because of that first set of three words, united with Christ. We are united with Christ. And do you notice Paul gives that same answer by no means later on at the end of verse 15 in response to a similar question. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? God's grace does not lead to sin but to living God's good life. We don't need to add to it by coming under some great rule book like the Old Testament law of Moses, thinking that's what will keep us on the straight and narrow. Why? Because of the second set of those three words. Because we are slaves of God. In Romans chapter 6, Paul is showing that God's grace does not lead followers of Jesus to sin. In fact, in verse 2 we're told, if you follow Jesus, we are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? We no longer live in sin because first we're united with Christ. And you know, Paul jumps straight in with an illustration of baptism. For a follower of Jesus, uh, baptism happens at some point. It might have been that you were raised in a, in a Christian household and, uh, and there was baptism in anticipation of future faith. Or it might be that you became a Christian later on in life and you were baptized after a moment of decision. And if you're sitting here and you're a follower of Jesus and you have not been baptized, you and me need to have a really exciting conversation at the end of this service. Whether baptism happens with sprinkling of water, whether it's a baptism that involves a full-on dunking into water, however it happens, there is this sense of someone coming under the water. 
Something happening physically that speaks of what's going on spiritually. Going down and being brought up. Dying and being raised to life. That's why Paul writes in verse 4. We were therefore buried with Jesus through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Something physically is happening that speaks of what has and is happening spiritually. That a person has been joined to Jesus, united with Christ. Now, uh, two weeks ago, the Devastmobile broke down. Some of you know my little tale of woe. And what do you do when your car breaks down? You root through the glove box, don't you? And you find the little card that has the uh, number for the RAC or whoever you're with. We phoned them up, uh, sat in the car, waited for them to turn up. They took extra long because they were looking for a very small little uh, red car. turns out I was sitting in a very large black car. But there we go. And it turns out, although it wasn't a major thing, it wasn't something they could fix on the side of the road. So the guy who's come up, he gets in his his big orange van, he backs up the van uh, to my car, and he attaches the front of my car to the back of his van using a big metal pole. I'm sure that's the technical term for it. And he towed me home. And you see, wherever that orange van went, while I was attached to it, I went. We went round corners, we went up hills, we did a little U-turn because we'd gone wrong, we even went backwards. But there's something in my experience there that speaks of what's going on in the Christian life of being united with Christ. It's a, not a perfect illustration. My car's still broken down on the back uh, of a tow truck, and our lives are not broken down with Jesus. But don't think it too far. Well, you see, what is true of Jesus becomes true of us, because we are joined to him. So when Jesus dies to sin on the cross, if we're joined to Jesus, we have died to sin. Verse 6, for we know that our old self was crucified with Jesus, so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who's died has been set free from sin. What is true of Jesus becomes true of the follower of Jesus because we're joined to him. Jesus has been raised to new life. A life, verse 10 says, he lives to God. I mean, if we're joined to Jesus, we have been raised to new life, a life that we live to God. And we will one day live in all its fullness in the future. In the same way, Paul says, verse 11, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Now, when I was being uh, towed around the place by this big orange van with extra orange flashing lights on to just highlight the fact to anybody that my car was broken, um, what did I do? Did I kind of sit back, put my feet up on the dashboard, open up a book, try and find a cup of coffee that I could enjoy, have a little nap? No way. I paid attention. And I steered the car. Wherever that van went, I followed to kind of keep it in line. Same is true in the Christian life. So we read in verse 13, Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. You are united with Christ. Live out who you really are. What this looks like in the nitty-gritty of everyday life, you're going to have to wait. That's Romans chapter 12. Feel free to have a read of it in the week. We'll get there. That's what it looks like every day. It's Romans chapter 12. But do you see what a difference? Each day, 
would make if we started. Each morning, reminding ourselves, I am united with Christ. Or when you face temptation to say, I have died to this. I've got a new life to live. Or when you feel gutted by the sin in your life, you can say, I've died to sin. It doesn't have power over me. Its penalty has been paid. Yes, it's still present in our lives. And we can say, this is not who I truly am. This doesn't have to be. This doesn't have to define who I am. I am united with Christ. We no longer sin, live in sin because we're united with Christ. We no longer live in sin because, second of all, we are slaves of God. How does that sound? How does that look written up on the screen? Being a slave to God. Being a slave. Is it right that God has slaves? I mean, don't we rightly celebrate the abolition of slavery and celebrate the Christians like William Wilberforce who was involved with that? Isn't the idea of human trafficking today in modern day slavery an absolute horror? How can we say that we are slaves of God? I think we need to read verse 19. You see, you see what Paul says there? He says, I'm using an example from everyday life because of your human limitations. Paul's example doesn't involve a broken down car and an orange van. His involves something that for people living in the Roman world would have been something they experienced every day. Slavery in different forms was very relatable to, to everyone. And it's not Paul saying that slavery is okay or not okay. He's not making a statement on slavery. He's saying, look around you at something every day and you'll get something of what I'm talking about. If you were a slave, your life is not your own to live however you want. There's an authority over you. There's a master over you. But in the same way, in the Roman world, if someone gained their freedom, the old master could come along and say, do this, do that. There's no power. Paul's saying, as a Christian, you've been freed from your old master. Sin has no say on your life. You come under a new one. You see, all of us, in Paul's side of things, are slaves in some form. Verse 16, either slaves to sin, which leads to death, or, or slaves to obedience, which leads to righteousness. So either slaves to sin or slaves to God. There is no middle ground. This is binary. You're here this morning. You're not a Christian. We need to hear this. There is no sort of neutral ground when it comes to God, either for him or against him. So what is life like as a slave to sin? What's life like as a slave to God? Well, being a slave to sin, we're told, results in a pile of stuff we're ashamed of, a brokenness to life, and death, not just physical, but, but being cut off from God's favor eternally. To live without God now means to live without him in the future. But being a slave to God, in verse 22, tells us it leads to holiness. It leads to living a beautiful life. It leads to eternal life. It's not that we don't do anything shameful. We, we, we do. But we know in Jesus it's been dealt with. It doesn't define who we are. That's why Paul sums it up at the end of chapter 6, verse 23, perhaps, perhaps more, the most famous verse of, the, of this chapter. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now I realize being a slave of God might, might just be a hard thing to hear. It might not sit right, sound right. There is another way we could put it. 
We are free in Christ. You see, to be a slave of God is what it means to be truly free. True freedom is not living life without limits. It's living life with the right limits. True freedom is living life with the limit we were created for. It's the life that Jesus brings us into, a life where we get the Holy Spirit living in us, working in our hearts that we might long to obey. And we do obey God's ways, his good ways, more and more. You see, a massive book of rules, coming under that, is not going to get us living God's good way. To know who we truly are and who we belong to does. We're slaves to God. We are free in Christ. What an impact each day would have if we began reminding ourselves who we belong to. I'm a slave to God. I am free in Christ. Live out who you truly are, not who you used to be. When you face temptation, you can say, I belong to Jesus and this isn't of him. This offers nothing compared to what Jesus offers and promises. Or when you're gutted by the reality of seeing sin in your life, you can say, this doesn't have to have control of me. This doesn't have to define me. This is not real freedom. This is not who Jesus is remaking me to be. So this morning, I want to go back to that question. Who are you? How would you describe yourself in three words? I guess all of us will reach for a whole range of different words. But God, by his Holy Spirit, through these words in Romans 6, wants us to reach for, hold on to, be fired up by the fact that if you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, you are united with Christ. You're a slave to God, free in Christ. Whatever you do, whatever you do, don't forget who you are. Let me pray. Holy Father, thank you that in Jesus you have done everything to bring us to yourself. Thank you that you've united us with the one you love the most. Thank you that you become king over our lives and that you are good, you are great. You are the kind of God who lays down his life for us. I pray that those reminders this morning of being united with Christ, being slaves of God, free in Christ, would fire us up. They might be what we reach for each morning or when we face temptation. We find sin in our life. And would knowing who we are have a real impact of how, on how we live. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.